come here to hurt me. And I come here to maim you. What's up, everybody, and welcome into Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Don't forget to follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at WrestlingTWT. It's WrestlingTWT. You can always use more followers on Instagram and on Twitter. WrestlingTWT is where you go. Wherever you're listening to this from, the ESPN Chicago app or Spotify or SoundCloud or Apple, I'm just glad that you download the podcast. I just want you to tell people that Jonathan Hood Talks Wrestling, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, right here where you've downloaded this podcast. As always, I appreciate it. I'd like to tell you about the YouTube page as well, youtube.com. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. If you haven't been there, get there. YouTube, we are growing our YouTube page and we're putting on special clips that you probably don't hear on the podcast. Matter of fact, I know you're not listening to it on the podcast, so check it out. Sometimes wrestling moves so quickly, as you well know, that we just have to be able to put it on YouTube. You got to have some kind of reaction on Instagram or YouTube. So look for YouTube.com. When I promote this, I just want you to follow along. That way you never miss anything I'm talking about when it comes to wrestling. Sometimes I might be in a parking lot just being able to record something about Cody Rhodes. Sometimes I might be in the back of a restaurant. I could be at work at ESPN Chicago. Who knows? When there's wrestling news, I want to be there for you. That's why I tell you about the YouTube page, youtube.com, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, along with the other social with Instagram and Twitter at WrestlingTWT. I'd like to make a big announcement as well for the first time ever. I've been hinting at it for weeks, but I'm telling you right now, if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram and you look for the link tree, if you tap that, you will see for the first time ever, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday merchandise. It's a soft launch. I haven't put it out on social media just as of yet, but I'm telling you first to go to my bio on Instagram or Twitter at WrestlingTWT. Click merchandise. Look around. Just look around. See what if there's something that you like, like T-shirts and tumblers and pint glasses and leggings and socks. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday merchandise available right now. You click my bio, you're right in. We'll make sure that your orders are in. Try to give in by the time we get to Christmas uh, and the holidays, but I'm very proud that we finally have merchandise for you, the pro wrestling fan. That way you could tell everybody just from a t-shirt, just from a just from a pint glass, just from a tumbler, a mug, that say, hey, I listen to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. So check that out. Love to get your feedback on the items that we have on the website. That is for sure. So again, TWT merchandise, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Be part of the TWT tribe. If you're listening to this podcast, you already are. But again, sporting that t-shirt, that sweatshirt, that hoodie, man, it's all there for you. Again, click my bio on 
the Twitter and also on the Instagram, and bam, you're right in. It's the first link that's available in my bio. Hope that you had a great Thanksgiving, uh, and I will tell you about my Thanksgiving. My Thanksgiving started on Wednesday night because Wednesday night, for the first time, I was at Wintrust Arena. That's sad, right? Because the uh, world champion Chicago Sky playing that building, I didn't get a chance to see them live in person. Uh, and I have not seen the DePaul Blue Demons, the team from the Big East, plays into that building as well. So it was my first time this past Wednesday to see uh, wrestling at Wintrust Arena. The first time AEW's run Wintrust. And it reminds me of like the old UIC Pavilion. Uh, this is where the NWA ran in the 80s. I used to go when I was in high school, in the college, going to see NWA shows. Uh, It's the same building as far as capacity, I want to say. like Maybe UIC is a little bit more, maybe with 8,000, but I felt like the Wintrust Arena was the perfect venue for wrestling. And it's not as big as the now arena in Hoffman Estates where AEW's had a lot of their events, but I think it was important for... Um, for AEW to be in the city, not in the far suburbs, you know, and at the United Center. That's I'm sure that's difficult to try to get in the United Center every three or four months. But it was cool to be at Wintrust Arena, brand new arena, downtown Chicago, next to McCormick Place. Uh, if you've ever been, you know that that's pretty uh, pretty much a hot spot there. And so my brother Sean Knight uh, flew in from Kansas to be with family, and uh, that's the first thing. As soon as he dropped his bags, got off the plane, and boom, right to the arena with me, and we saw it together. We had a lot of fun. It's The pictures are on my Instagram for TWT. Um, so it was cool to be there to see Dynamite in person, but here's what I did not know. I did not know we we're going to get a face-off between CM Punk and MJF. That was the way it started uh, in the Wintrust Arena in Chicago. How perfect, how fitting it is, right? If you go back to the archives of TWT, you know that I got a chance to talk to QT Marshall. If you missed the interview, go back, stop this, and go back to hear my interview with QT Marshall because uh, it was great. I was not sure how good it was going to be, quite frankly, um, but QT is a very good representative for AEW and for his career. Um, I thought he was fascinating. and He told me some stuff off the record uh, that I thought was interesting about AEW as well after our conversation. So um, I, so go back and hear my interview with QT Marshall. You said, oh, QT Marshall. I mean, yeah, it's actually good. It was, it's better than I thought it was going to be. So uh, interesting conversation with QT. Anyway, talking about CM Punk and MJF. Promo of the year, right? Promo of the year. How great was that? Those two in the ring together. CM Punk is getting ready to take on QT Marshall. And then here comes MJF. And they put on a promo clinic. It was amazing to see these two go back and forth. Just some of the barbs and things that were said between the two. CM Punk talking about MJF being like, you know, (laughs) <laughs> lower than the Miz and MJF saying that CM Punk looks like an addict. As, as a matter of fact, it was so good. I got to play a portion of this for you before we move forward. Then I got to tell you about what's going on the rest of the show. But can I just give you a little glimpse of how good CM Punk and MJF were on the stick? I mean, the t- two of the best promo guys in the business, in the ring at the same time, it was tremendous. Oh my God. Punk, your breath smells like shit. It's probably because you've been kissing so much ass recently. I mean, you have been robotically kissing ass all over the place. You know what? I'm going to do a little impression of you real quick. Chicago, do you mind if I give you a quick impression? 
insert name of town. I sure do love being a part of insert name of company. Gee whiz, I sure am looking forward to my matchup against insert name of opponent. Robotic Pucker Up Punk. It's the fact that after all your hard work, 
All your blood, sweat, tears, and sacrifice you've given this sport, deep down you know it, and these people know it. Your whole career, you've been nothing more than second best. Whether it was the You Can't See Me Man, or the King of Kings, you were never quite up to snuff, were you? And I can assure you, now that you're standing in my ring, in my company, things will be no different because you may claim to be the best in the world, but I'm better than you. There's some truth in what you just said. A little bit. Scared? Coming back after seven years? A little bit. See, I'm not going to lie. Not even to you. I certainly never lie to these people. I didn't know if these people would remember me. I didn't know if these people would care. I didn't know if I still had it. But trust me, I'm not scared any longer. Certainly not scared of you. Because the timing might not match up. But I was selling out Madison Square Garden when you were marking out for Rosie O'Donnell. And the last time on this show, you did a song and dance, you made the New York Times. Wow! You want to sing me a song right now, Maxwell? Don't worry, you're standing in the ring with a professional and you're going to make the New York Times again, but this time it's going to be the obituaries. Because you have just enrolled yourself into a college your parents cannot afford. You talk too much. Yeah, just like me back in the day, except I always backed it up and you can't back up shit without your backup. Sean Spears, Wardlow, that's how you get things done around here, and I never mention you in interviews because I never had to. I looked at AEW and I said, wow, that's the place I want to be, that's the place I want to test myself, and I went for the heart and soul of AEW, Darby Allen, and boy, that just chews you up, doesn't it? And I beat Darby Allen, and I didn't need a ring to do it. You're too busy talking about how you're the most powerful of the four pillars. You don't even realize you've been replaced by Britt Baker. And while you think you've made some excellent points, I think you talk too much and we've wasted these people's time. city, not because there's a city that's better than it, not because there's a city that was first, and you want to call me number two? 
I'll probably wear number two with a bullet because just like Chicago, they call us the second city because when it burned to the ground, we just built right back up on top of the smoldering embers. And who's the man around here? Who's number one? Is it you? No, I don't think so. The only way you're gonna be number one is if we all wait around long enough for Tony to have a daughter that you marry. <laughs> ah, the sick burn right there. Just a portion of the greatness that was MJF against CM Punk in a promo battle. Uh, you ever see a rap battle? Uh, that's what that was like. These two going back and forth. That was a lot of fun on AEW Dynamite. And of course, in the perfect place, Chicago, Illinois. The power of the promo. There's nothing like it. When you have two guys that can be able to talk the way that they can. And there was a lot of sick burns. There was a lot of references of the WWE. But in for this audience and for AEW, it works. I know that there's some complaints online. Like it's too inside, too many WWE references. Hey, listen, that's a smart crowd in Chicago. You're listening to this podcast because you, you I know how I reacted when I heard a Miz reference, a Triple H reference, you know, um, Stephanie McMahon reference in a lot of ways. Um, I was like, wow, right? And that's what a promo is supposed to do. Listen, it started off AEW Dynamite, that promo on Wednesday night. And I know that the formula for the WWE is start with a promo, have people come out to interrupt the promo with music, try to set up a match that's supposed to take place for the main event. And they've been doing it for 25 years, the same format, the same way over and over again. Anytime that Raw actually starts off with a match, it's surprising, right? And for this situation, though, this segment is going someplace. It's not the scripted bad promo that's supposed to bring someone else out. It's supposed to bring someone else out. Then the authority figure comes out. It's the same thing. WWE has been just rotten with this without changing the format over and over again. In this scenario, you have two guys in CM Punk and um, MJF. And they're going someplace with the promo. And then afterwards, I thought a really solid match with CM Punk against um, against uh, a guy that I think is a pretty solid veteran in QT Marshall. So I, I thought that the first, gosh, it seemed like the first 35 minutes was about CM Punk. Well, of course, it's perfect because it's Chicago. So I thought that that was a win for, uh, for AEW for sure. We also saw Brian Danielson against Colt Cabana. Hearing all this talk about, oh, Danielson, he's turned heel. He's a heel. You know what? It's the same Brian Danielson that I saw before as the American Dragon. Just a guy with that's tough and that guy that has turned up his personality. Of course, with him going for the AEW Championship against Adam Page, of course, Brian Danielson is going to be not the favorite, right? There's still a lot of people are cheering for Danielson, even against Cole Cabana, as I was in the crowd on in Chicago this past Wednesday. Uh, and so there's he's always going to have his people that really love Danielson, but... He's not doing yes chants. He's not doing the knee bends. And he's not, this is not uh, the doctor and Kane being involved in that comedy skit. That guy's serious. When you see Brian Danielson and he continues to work the way he is, that's the guy I saw at Ring of Honor. And I love it. Um, I saw Danielson recently just say that, hey, this is going to be my last maybe three years of prime wrestling in my career. I thought that was interesting. For me, it's been been a lot of fun. Um, And... You know, there's obviously been some some ups and downs and all that kind of stuff, but uh, 
But I honestly feel like right now I'm the best version of myself that I've ever been. You know, like um, I learned, you know, I learned a lot in my, you know, 10 plus years in WWE. And I honestly feel like in some ways I'm actually a little bit of a better athlete now because of the way that I train and all that kind of stuff than I was even when I was 30. You know what I mean? And so uh, I feel like mentally and physically I'm the best I've been uh, the best that I've ever been. I, I and I, I consider these like so. I signed a three-year contract with AEW. I I consider these kind of like my final three years as a full-time wrestler, but also not just like okay, this is kind of me winding down. This is to me, this is the peak. This is going to be, this is going to be the best that I'm ever going to be, and uh, and and ending my full-time career at at that, ending it as the best version of myself. So thoughts there for Brian Danielson. He was on uh, Series XM's Busted Open. Says he says to me, this is the peak, and so I thought that that was really strong. What he said there, three year contract and maybe the last three years of his career being a full time wrestler for AEW. Uh, that's that's very interesting, and I think he's destined to be the AEW champion at some point. And with this persona as a tough guy, I think that's a win-win for AEW. That is for sure. Um, because there is years taken away from Brian because of the head injuries, the concussions, and trying to get cleared and all that. And now he's back in there. And the hope is, is that he can continue to wrestle uh, a safe way. That way he doesn't have to um, worry about missing any time or have even more lingering effects with uh, injuries. So that's the hope. How about that crazy six-man tag team matchup that involved Cody Rhodes? MJF's in it and Andre El Idolo's in it and um, uh, <laughs> the Lucha Brothers. It it was uh, quite the match. But, the of course, the biggest spot in that is Cody Rhodes, right? Cody Rhodes before, you know, Cody Rhodes got booed, but it wasn't as vociferous as it was at the Now Arena or even uh, the United Center uh, in Chicago. And these are, these are just the places that I've seen uh, Cody Rhodes. Same thing in Milwaukee. Um, I mean, he was booed pretty heavily in Milwaukee as well. But my, my point is, though, is that I thought that there was some boos. There was a few cheers here and there for Cody, but there were some boos because, uh, you know, people are just not liking the character. Um, there is too much of a similarity to Triple H's career with the the wife that women admire and men want um, as far as someone also being pow- powerful in the front office. Stephanie McMahon is that for uh, the WWE. Brandy Rhodes is the chief branding officer uh, for AEW. And, you know, again, the TV shows and the awareness, it just, um, it's just, I think there's a lot of similarities that people don't like. Uh, and so Cody Rhodes, as we have seen in the past, throws his weight belt into the stands and, <laughs> typical Chicago, just like a Wrigley Field for baseball games in Chicago. When the opposing team hits a home run, they throw the ball out of the bleachers, they throw it onto the field. That's what happened to the <laughs> that's what happened to the belt for Cody Rhodes. Cody throws it into the to, and I always thought that was strange too, because there's a buckle on the end of that thing that could hurt somebody. But he throws it up high and someone's supposed to keep it as a keepsake, and then they threw it right back into the ring. There was some speculation on whether it hit referee Aubrey Edwards. It did not hit Aubrey Edwards. It hit the ropes, so it did not hit the official. Um, but the point is, though, is that the uh, the fans there uh, did not want that Cody 
shirt, that, that whole Cody thing. They didn't want that belt. They threw it back into the ring, which is hilarious. And then Cody throws it to the other side of the ring. And I guess that I remember watching and those fans in that section uh, were saying, hey, throw the belt back again. And it didn't happen. The guy actually kept the belt that time. Uh, but it just shows you how people feel about Cody Rhodes. Something else very strange, too, that I didn't mention this on YouTube because of time. But I'll tell you here on the podcast, watching Cody, after uh, that six-man tag team match was over, first of all, he got injured out there uh, at the end of that six-man. He was he needed help to get uh, out of the arena, and he didn't go to the babyface locker room. He went to the heel locker room, which I don't even know what that means. I'm not sure what that was all about, um, but I know that Cody did this slow walk around the ring trying to curry favor with the fans and that just wasn't working he got yelled at uh people were booing him as he was leaving the arena slowly i don't think i don't know if that was on tv or not because again i have not looked back at the uh the entire aw dynamite but i just know that's what i saw in the arena where chicago fans were getting on cody Rhodes as he slowly walked out of the arena after uh, being attacked on the outside of the ring after that matchup it just it's just not working and so Will Cody Rhodes turn heel? Well, he said that he'll never turn heel, but never, I mean, what does that mean in wrestling, right? If Cody turns heel, will fans be behind him? I mean, I, I don't know. I just um, I just think that he's trying to be this white meat baby face and wants everyone to love him. I just know that his old man, Dusty Rhodes, hated to be booed. And I know the stories of Greensboro, right? There was this section of smart fans in Greensboro. There a time where everyone believed, right? This is the mid-80s. And anytime Dusty Rose is there, and those those particular smart fans, there's like five or six of them, the Greensboro fans would boo Rhodes right, right at the rail, right there. And they would get those same tickets every single time the NWA came into Greensboro, and Rhodes hated it. Dusty Rhodes hated to be booed because he was this big time baby face. He got cheered. And those Greensboro fans, those five or six guys, they hated Rhodes because they just knew that he was the booker. They knew that the some of the finishes were bullshit. That, you know, even though the horsemen reigned as champions, they took a beating every time that they came into Greensboro. That's supposed to be a Ric Flair town. So it it's uh quite fascinating what's going on with Cody Rhodes. Just like his dad, he hates being booed. I know he didn't like it, but what was he going to do about it? That's the question. We have a very special guest coming up here on TWT, but first let me tell you about Survivor Series. So because of the poor build of Survivor Series, I only watched one match. I was interested in one match and I got to my Peacock Network and I watched the one match I was interested in, Charlotte Flair against Becky Lynch. I mean... You say, well, Hood, how could you do that? Well, you know what? If the WWE doesn't care, why should I care? <laughs> Seriously, like, I found the one match I wanted to see and it was Charlotte Flair against Becky Lynch. You know why? Because that had a build. Those two did the media rounds and what not just wrestling media, like Good Morning America and all these different blogs and different uh, shows, all the quotables, Ari, uh, Ariel Hawani and all these other places uh, that were doing interviews with Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch. You know what? Uh, they had a hell of a match. 
I'm sure this will be a match of the year candidate because we have been waiting to see what these two would do in the ring, especially after that whole debacle of the switching of the belts, which was ridiculous, right? Um, those two don't like each other. And, I, you know, and even if it's a work, I believe it. And that's the whole essence of wrestling, right? Uh, apparently, they actually do have a problem in the ring just based on wrestling reports. But even if they don't, at least it feels real. It feels like, okay, something's off here between these two. WWE doesn't have to always be pristine and clean and everything is formulaic and everything. It doesn't have to be that. It can be rough around the edges sometimes. Things could be said where it's like, wait, that, 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 that doesn't seem right. That's what wrestling is supposed to be. Everything's not AEW. Everything's not the old ECW. And it's not the NWO or DX shooting at one another. It's not that. However, it's always good to be able to have something a little bit where you say, wait a minute, what did she say? Like, how, like what's what this exchange of the belts? Why did uh, Charlotte throw the belt down? Or why? what's going on with Becky Lynch? And what, what's going on here between these two? And then you see the media reports and, and hear from these ladies. It makes you think, boy, this is going to be a fight, more even more so than a wrestling match. And boy, it was very physical. And it made you believe, boy, there's a problem between these two. The closing moments of the only match I saw from the Survivor Series. You, hey, you can at me all you want. Like, hey, your job is to review the... No. It was a shitty build. WWE didn't care about this. They, the, the whole thing with Raw and SmackDown teams, men and women, we had to, that was revealed like on a Saturday on Twitter. Like, so you don't care about it. So why should I care about it? Here's what I cared about. This match. An absolutely brutal brawl of spite and deep personal hatred for each other. Take a look at this boot from Charlotte Flair right in the mug of big time. Bexon once again. Charlotte making the long climb up top. Welcome to Friday night, Corey Graves. It's Sunday, Pat. It's Raw versus SmackDown. It's champion versus champion. And it's Charlotte Flair to the moonsault. Didn't get all of it, but it may be effective enough. See the passion in the eyes of Charlotte Flair as we look once again at Flair soaring through the sky. Didn't get full maximum impact, but the elbow caught Lynch under the chin once again. And it eats at Charlotte Flair. She needs to be the absolute best. She needs to be the greatest of all time. That is what drives her. As you see her use her momentum. Well, to the cover. Hook of the leg now on Becky. Near fall for Charlotte Flair. She used oh, and now a disarmor. This is Becky Lynch's submit in a hole. Insult to injury. Lynch is in trouble. Center of the ring. Nowhere for Becky to go. Charlotte with the disarmor in. Trying to manipulate the joints, the fingers there of Becky Lynch. Becky trying to drag herself somehow to the bottom rope for some sort of break here. That's locked in deep. That arm's bending it somehow. And Becky makes it. Charlotte sends desperation. Guys, I will admit the deeper this matchup goes, the more comfortable and confident Charlotte Flair appears to be. And Charlotte unloading on Lynch. This is her zone, Corey. And Becky now with a right hand. Becky Lynch trying to duck underneath. Oh, on her roll, shoulders down. Well, Charlotte's got the ropes. Charlotte's got the ropes in the ref corner. Great call by the official. And now Lynch rolls through. Becky's got the ropes. Becky's got the ropes. I didn't see it. What the hell is this left doing? Who's who better? The Raw Women's Champion, the Man, Becky 
Charlotte got burned. And the ref is a stage. SmackDown takes an L because of that. Get used to it, Pat. The night is young. Yeah, but what an incredible match. No doubt about it. Both of these women left it all in the ring to steal an old cliche. Charlotte Flair got caught with her hand in the cookie jar. Becky Lynch had the veteran wherewithal to wait to the last possible and defensively official. He was in a different position on the second count. In defense of the official, he's in the wrong position. Whatever the case, incredible match. And congrats to Becky Lynch. One up in charge. So there you go. The only match that mattered at Survivor Series 2021, Charlotte Flair against Becky Lynch. That is a match of the year candidate for sure. And speaking of uh, voting, when I say match of the year, let me reveal this too at the 32-minute mark of our podcast. Um, I am, my friends, I am going to vote for something I think that's pretty special here. Um, So... I've been a fan of Dave Meltzer and the Wrestling Observer for a long time. Uh, It's really good information, and there's some opinion in there, but there's plenty of good information as far as stats, figures, some things that can educate me on wrestling. Um, Not necessarily big into the star system thing, but I am big into, you know, information about what's going on on house shows and just the inner workings of the business of the wrestling business. That's the thing I'm really interested in the most with the Wrestling Observer. Your boy now is a voter for the Hall of Fame. For the Wrestling Observer. I'm very happy about that. I put that in my bio on Twitter at WrestlingTWT. I will reveal next week my ballot. I don't. I think it's okay to reveal the ballot. Um, I'm going to reveal my ballot for Hall of Famers uh, for the Wrestling Observer. So if you're an old school wrestling fan, uh, this next podcast is going to be for you as I reveal my ballot for uh, the Wrestling Observer. If you've never had the Wrestling Observer newsletter, what are, you're missing it. You should go to that website and see some of the news that they have out of there, some of the stories that are written. They've got great podcasts as well. Uh, but um, yeah, so the Wrestling Observer newsletter has their Hall of Fame every year. And now I have been selected to be able to select every year uh, and to put my bell, I got to pick 10 wrestlers, right? The list of wrestlers that Dave and the newsletter comes out with, and I will reveal who I picked. So there's wrestlers from Japan, wrestlers from South America. There's wrestlers in North America, old school, new school. It's interesting. I'll reveal all the names and tell you about it next week. It's cool. One other thing before we get to our guest, and that is the whole thing with uh, the egg, the egg angle with the WWE. So Vince McMahon's on camera. And I know Vince, from everything I hear, would rather not be on camera, especially at this age. But if it gets something over, if it gets talent over, he'll definitely do it. So he's on camera and he's looking for this big egg, right? He comes to the arena with this egg and he's like, what happened? Someone stole it, right? And so he's talking to Sonia Deville and talking to Adam Pierce and trying to figure out who stole this big egg. And this is all an angle for the Netflix movie Red Notice. Now, I only seen a little bit of this movie, maybe 30 minutes. It was late and I, I was to bed. I just couldn't stay up longer to watch The Rock in this movie, The Red Notice. But it, but I know the premise of the movie. It's all about trying to get this valuable egg worth $100 million or whatever. And so it's Vince McMahon working in conjunction with that movie Red Notice saying, hey, where's the egg? And comes to find out Austin Theory has the egg. And I just, I didn't, 
I understood why they're doing this because obviously there has to be some monetary value to it for the WWE to promote this show, Red Notice, that's on Netflix, this movie. Um, I don't know. <laughs> like anytime the WWE does stuff like this, you know, this it's tied into revenue, uh, awareness, all this stuff. It, it was kind of silly, but it's typical WWE, right? I'm not surprised at it. So when people say, oh, this is just stupid, it's embarrassing, Vince doesn't look good, or why is he, you know, he did it because it's his guy. The Rock is in this movie, and I think it's almost fair trade. It's like if The Rock is going to be at the next WrestleMania, or if he's going to be taking on Roman Reigns at some point, I think that that I think that works out fine. It's like, hey, come do WrestleMania. Have one more run, Rock. And The Rock says, okay, well, promote my movie, Red Notice, on Netflix. So I, I get it. It's just some of the stuff in the WWE is just not for me. The long promos that start off things, just some of the, the silliness. That's all McMahon humor that I just don't get. But when it comes to matches like Charlotte and uh, Becky Lynch, when you see Big E out there, when you see Seth Rollins out there, when you see Kevin Owens, certain wrestlers, that's for me. When I see that, that's for me. Uh, but some of the other stuff, the fluff around it, it's not for me. Hey, don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at WrestlingTWT. WrestlingTWT on Instagram and Twitter. As I mentioned, the merchandise is available right now for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Hey, I want you. I want to go to Arena like in February when I go see AEW at Wintrust or go to a couple of uh, independent shows uh, in the month of December, which I will be going to. I'll tell you about that later. Man, I, I want to see you wear TWT merchandise. I want you to wear the T-shirt or have the hoodie or the sweatshirt or have a pint glass or a tumbler. Uh, it's all available uh, in my bio on Twitter and Instagram. Just click there. It'll say under the hood merchandise and boom, you're right in. Love for you to be able to take some of that merchandise and have it for yourself. And it's my way of saying thanks for supporting me all these years uh, for my Under the Hood podcast as well as Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. So I got a chance to talk to Phil Lindsay. Phil Lindsay is this was his first time on the program. Phil Lindsay is a podcaster for Grapsity Pod. You can follow them at G R A P S O D Y Pod, Grapsity Pod. It's a really good podcast. Righteous Reg and Mr. Washington's on there. Mr. Lindsay's on there as well. It's a really, really solid podcast. They do every Saturday. It's on YouTube as well. So I support them. You in a hey, I support them. You support them. Uh, and also Phil Lindsay's from Bleacher Report. He's a columnist for Bleacher Report and loves wrestling. I call him the most controversial man on wrestling Twitter because everyone's coming at Phil Lindsay. But he's he's a Chicagoan and loves wrestling just like I do. And so I've noticed a lot uh, regarding how many people are really noticing the landscape of professional wrestling as of late. Black wrestlers have really been able to get to a different level in professional wrestling like never before. And when I talk about black wrestlers, I'm not trying to segregate my audience or segregate wrestling or try to ramify or, or try to overly dissect what's going on in the landscape of wrestling. But things have changed. Um, and we're going to talk to Phil Lindsay about that momentarily. 
Point is, though, is that wrestling and the landscape has really changed as far as African-Americans being able to get over. Uh, I've talked about this in the podcast before where African-Americans were just uh, a novelty. They would just be a special attraction on wrestling cards. You have one. You have one in the territory uh, that was doing something in the 60s and 70s and in the 80s, by the way, as well. But things have really changed. As you take a look at every wrestling show that you watch, you say, boy, there's African-American representation. And I say that because it just shows you how far wrestling uh, has really gone, how they've really come a long way to be able to show, hey, you know what? Everybody should have a piece of the pie that everyone can entertain. No matter what color they are, they should be able to entertain. But I think that as we see what's going on in wrestling, there are so many people that are saying, wow, look at Big E and wow, look at Scorpio Sky or wow, look at uh, Bianca Belair and so many others around the independents and other companies where African-Americans are really starting to shine in main spots in on a professional wrestling card. Moose, another example from Impact Wrestling. So uh, a couple weeks ago, I had a chance to talk to Phil Lindsay. I think that you'll really like our conversation about how wrestling has grown as far as African-American wrestlers in uh, professional wrestling in 2021. Here's my conversation with Phil Lindsay. I have a little bit of a lead up and then we'll get to Phil and his thoughts. But don't forget to follow along on YouTube. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Also on Instagram and t- Twitter at Wrestling TWT as well. Here's my conversation with Phil Lindsay from Bleacher Report and the Grapsley Pod. Everybody and welcome into Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Don't forget to follow along on Instagram and Twitter at Wrestling TWT. It's Wrestling TWT. We're so glad you're with us as I broadcast from the wrestling capital of the world, Chicago, Illinois. Don't forget to check the archives of TWT. If you have not checked into the podcast in a while, check in. Dedrian Cologne from House of Wrestling. He debuted. On this program, just a week ago, as we were talking to Dedrian about the breaking news about the WWE and their budget cuts, we'll talk more about that moving forward throughout the rest of the year, I'm sure. Also, there's other podcasts that I have done regarding some of the latest news and notes around professional wrestling, AEW, WWE, and everywhere else. So make sure you check in. Again, Wrestling TWT on Instagram and Twitter. That's exactly where you can find um, our information on social. And don't forget, we also have a YouTube page as well, YouTube.com. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. We'll have some new content up there as well. If you missed some of our content on the podcast, we have that on YouTube. So check it out. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. 
On this edition of TWT, we'll talk about something that I have not spoken about on the podcast before. So if I tell you the names of Junkyard Dog, Kamala, Bearcat Wright, Sailor Art Thomas, Ernie Ladd, Butch Reed, Abdul the Butcher, The Rock, those are names that uh, some of you may know and some may not. The Rock, I think everyone should know who The Rock is because he's the biggest star in Hollywood these days. But there are wrestlers that were African-American, wrestlers of color, that would just be in the middle of the card in pro wrestling, or they'd be a novelty. If you just do a Google search, don't take it from me, do a Google search of some of the old cards. You know, back in the day, they had those cardboard cards, and they would tape them to a lamppost, or you see it in a grocery store, right? Wrestling coming tonight, all-star wrestling coming tonight, and they'd have pictures, and they would talk about the top of the cards, the middle of the card, and on the bottom, it would say midgets, women, and black wrestlers as well. Or maybe they didn't use the word black, sometimes Negro or some other uh, adjective, some other name to be able to uh, let everyone know that as an attraction, there will be black wrestling on the card. These days, in 2021, names like Rich Swan and Big E and Powerhouse Hobbs and uh, Dante Martin, Bobby Lashley, Sasha Banks, Kofi Kingston, Bianca Belair, Montez Ford. We see these names, Lee Moriarty, I could throw him in there as well, and so many others. There's so many black wrestlers that are on the landscape across America and around the world. And there is a stark contrast between what wrestling used to be, where black wrestlers would be just one per territory. You get one or two in Mid-South, one in Florida, one in Indianapolis, like a Bobo Brazil, one in at uh, World Class Championship Wrestling in Iceman King Parsons. You know, you only have one. If you had two, you're pretty lucky. So... There's a big difference between those days and where we are today. There are black wrestlers all over the place. And I thought it was interesting. Online, if you follow me at WrestlingTWT on Twitter, you see this hashtag that pop up every now and then. Black wrestlers draw. Or hashtag black wrestlers matter. Now, I follow these uh, hashtags because I was trying to figure out, okay, where did this come from, right? I understand what the, what is being said here. Black wrestlers draw. I think that's pretty clear of what that means. That black wrestlers that we see, they actually do draw fans. They draw interest. They draw social media interest. Black wrestlers matter. Also, is something that I saw as a hashtag. I said, what is this about, right? There is a movement that is taking place on social media that's supporting black wrestling. Now, that's a far cry from even, I would say, even 10 years ago regarding how there is this movement or a number of people that are online or at arenas holding up signs that say black wrestlers draw. And I found that interesting because, as I mentioned, from the days of Junkyard Dog and SD Jones and just having wrestlers that would just be, you know, one black per card, one black per territory, um, there's a big difference now because we see black wrestlers all over the wrestling landscape, which I think is really great.
it's great because there can't be just one type of wrestler. There can't be just one uh, type of wrestler. There has to be a type of wrestler where it's like, okay, we have white wrestlers, we have um, Hispanic wrestlers, black wrestlers, you have those that are European, that are across the country in the UK, from Spain and everywhere else. The WWE does a really good job with trying to spread the wealth of saying, we have stars from all over the world that are part of the WWE. AEW has some, I would say, they've got to work on those scenarios because even though they're a new company, I still believe that they could have a lot more diversity on the top of the card. And you say, well, Hood, why does that even matter? It should just be the best wrestlers out there. Well, the whole thing is, is that for any promoter, it's about green. And to be able to get green, to be able to get money, to be able to grow that money, you want to be able to have multiple types of wrestlers that's on the card. And I just think that AEW lacks in that, even though they're a young company, and the WWE has been able to flourish at that. So when I saw the Black Wrestlers Matter, Black Wrestlers Draw, I went to PWPonderings.com and saw the hashtag BW500, which is Black Wrestling 500 list. Now, I've seen the PWI list from Pro Wrestling Illustrated for a long, long time. Who are the best 500 wrestlers in the world? And I was always fascinated by that because I'm thinking, is there really 500 top wrestlers in the world? And you'd read through the bios and you see some wrestlers from independence from around the world. And you see wrestlers as high as the WWE or whatever the hot second or third company is, like a Ring of Honor at one point, TNA at one point. And you say, boy, I can see this top 500. But there's actually a list of 500 black wrestlers I saw on pwponderings.com. It might be a different source, but this is where I saw it first. A list of 500 black wrestlers. And I'm going through these names, and some I'm familiar with, and a lot of them I am not because they are in Indian independence. But when I see names like Jay Lethal and Dante Martin and Leo Rush and Red Velvet and Kofi Kingston and Ricky Starks, when I see Myron Reed and Shane Taylor and uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott and the list is endless here because there's five big swoles on this list. I see um, Sunny Kiss, Amber Moon, Willie Mack, uh, Naomi. Man, it, it's uh, quite the list because you look through it, you go, boy, my God, there are 500 wrestlers that's on this site that are of color. And that really is... Uh, great for professional wrestling because that means that wrestling is starting to progress in the right direction. There's nothing, this is nothing against white wrestlers or Latino wrestlers. But the point is, though, is that you want to have a mixture, I would say, of the best of the best. And if they are black, that's great. If they're white, it's great. If they're Latino, that's great. And I think that that mixture does matter. And I think that uh, black wrestlers who it was, they were set aside not a lot at the top of the card. Ask Teddy Long those stories about Thunderbolt Patterson, a black wrestler himself. Thunderbolt Patterson told the booker Ole Anderson that I should be the only N-word that's on the card. Meaning that we don't, we don't need more N-words on the card. This is what Ole told Thunderbolt Patterson. And Thunderbolt Patterson says, you know what, you're right. <laughs> because 
Just like any other business, people are very protective of their spot. And Thunderbolt Patterson, according to Teddy Long, and I've heard this from other people, was like, no, we don't need any more N-words on the card. Just one. Because black wrestlers were an attraction. How many times did Rocky Johnson, the late Rocky Johnson, the father of The Rock, go into a territory, and he was the only black wrestler in the whole territory? And he should have been the top of the card. Tony Atlas, the same thing. Mr. USA should have been the heavyweight champion. Was not because of his skin color. Um, so there's a lot of examples of that. So I'm going to talk to Phil Lindsay. He'll be coming on the show for the first time as well. As we continue to try to grow our Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday uh, podcast. I know if you're an avid listener, uh, I appreciate you listening. But we'll always have some guests here and there. New guests uh, that will be on the show to give their point of view. Phil Lindsay is from Chicago. And he works for Bleach Report. Also, the Grapsity Podcast is wherever you get your podcast. Look for the Grapsity Pod. Um, and he's got merchandise shopfightful.com. That's where you can find Phil Lindsay. I'm going to give him a call and get his thoughts about this topic and more right here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Phil Jonathan Hood, thanks so much for your time. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, man, I'm a fan of what you've been doing, uh, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on a topic I've been wanting to broach for a while, and that's regarding what's happening with this movement, uh, Black Wrestlers Matter and also Black uh, wrestlers draw. I talked about this in the open how there was a time, Phil, where black wrestlers were just an attraction, right? You would say midgets, women, and oh, by the way, like uh, ne- the Negroes will be on the card as well. I don't know if that was a warning as much as it is an attraction to let fans know what's going on, but there's a big difference in those days and where we are right now. What's up? Why do you believe that there is a renaissance or a real uh, push for African American wrestlers across the world? Uh, I just think that, you know, uh, we just got to a different place with black wrestlers. I feel like a lot of uh, black wrestlers, whether it be, you know, Kofi with Kofi Mania or, you know, some guys with impact like like Rich Juan and Chris Bay or even like indie wrestlers have, you know, proved themselves. Um, I feel like there's a larger variety of black wrestlers than there ever has been, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just, you know, guys with very different carriers, characters, uh, different skill sets. Um, like, I feel like we haven't seen, like, this depth of talent from black wrestlers possibly ever. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I want to know... Um when we take a look at where we are today, you mentioned, you know, guys like Big E is a perfect example, right? I always felt like, okay, Big E is a WWE champion, but not the guy. and But Roman Reigns on the other side is the guy. I think that from Vince McMahon's standpoint, I think that he looks at it and says, okay, here's the fans champion, and then here's the actual, you know, my champion. And I think that that's how he looks at Roman. But what does that say for where we are in 2021 that Roman Reigns, um, uh, that is the SmackDown champion, the Universal champion, and then you have Big E. That says a lot uh, because wrestling's never seen this before on a regular basis. Yeah, I mean, even the fact like uh, like when Booker and Mark Henry were champions, they kind of made them world champions, but they were like the world heavyweight champion. The fact that Kofi and uh, Lashley and E have all been like WWE champion, like they were the main champion. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's uh that's a step forward in itself. Yeah, when it comes to, to Big E, a perfect example is this past uh, Monday night on, Smackdown, on on Raw, right, on the 8th of November, where 
I know I'm watching a couple other sports, but I look over to the other monitor and I see Big E in in the eight o'clock hour because we're both in Chicago. So in Central Time, I'm like, wait, the World Champions in the middle of the card like that? I said, there's the difference though. I'm glad that he's champion, Phil. But the point is though, until he's main eventing, the reason why you come to the arena, the reason why you watch, that's when I can fully accept it. I'm glad that he's champion. Don't get me don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that. Yeah. To, in order for him to carry the ball, you have to put him in a main event spot for him to be the reason why people show up. Oh, I agree. I, I feel like you've got to give him a chance to uh, prove himself in the in the main spot on the card. Um, and I feel like they have still basically told us in more way than any that um, what that Roman is the main champion. I mean. I mean, I'm not totally surprised by that. Roman's been their guy for the longest. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it just fits, fits the you know trajectory that they've been on with him for a while. So here's the difference I see between The Rock and and what we see here with um, the Universal Champion Roman Reigns. So even with The Rock, even though he had a gift to gab, he mean, he could talk it. He also had writers. And, right, and so he he would put it his his way, but also he had people trying to help him out with the verbiage. From what I understand from Roman Reigns, there's a big difference in where he was even two or three years ago versus now because the way he comes across, that's him. It may be aloof. It's kind of slowed down. It is, but it's it's different. And so I think that that Roman Reigns has more autonomy than on his character than even The Rock did. That does that make sense? Um, yeah, I mean, I can see that because I do feel like what he's doing is clearly, um, he's clearly got some kind of creative control here. Uh, I mean, even when you look at, uh, how they use his Samoan heritage, it seems like it's not what we usually see from Samoan wrestlers. Correct. Um, I feel like they let him, um, play into it in a respectable way. I don't feel like they ever use it in a, uh, stereotypical way. Um, and I feel like, you know, it's used to enhance, uh, both his title reign and his, uh, character. It, it's never used as like his main characteristic. But, and you talk about black wrestlers, uh, Pacific Islanders and, and Samoans, that's come a long way as well because Oppen yeah. and Snuka and all those guys, Tonga Kid, Phil, I mean, that, apparently Samoan wrestlers are only savages. They all, they all, yeah. they all they had they did not grow up with shoes they did not they all they they grew up on islands they grew up in the like you know in the forestry they didn't have a home they lived in huts stuff like that I mean the, the stories that they would tell because they were different um, was just it, it just doesn't age well when you look back at some of those old films and those old wrestling and the stories that they would say about. You know these wrestlers only eating raw fish and all this kind of shit. I'm like, wow, like that doesn't that certainly does not work in 2021. But Roman Reigns uh, and the Usos and others have been able to flip that script, so that is definitely a positive for him. I just think Roman is is really himself now, and it puts him and the Usos in a whole different light. And I think that's definitely positive for them. Yeah, I agree. Um, I definitely agree. Um that we've come a long way from just, you know, having stuff like, you know, the Wild Samoans or, uh, you know, stuff like Kamala, even though Kamala's not Samoan, he's, uh, you know, the same kind of uh, 
playoff, like the tribal characters and like, you know, like you said, the savages. So we've definitely come a long way. In yeah. Well, Kamala was from a different country. He, he, was, he grew up in Mississippi. So that's a whole different country. <laughs> maybe i should kayfabe it but people should know like those first videos out of memphis they showed kamala the ugandan giant kamala like they had that he was in jerry jared's backyard he's it was like this grassy you guys see this on youtube phil it's like he's like in this grassy area like he's from the jungles and he really is in J jerry jared's backyard um but, right. but it makes it seem like he just came from like deepest darkest uganda and that definitely was not the case um do you have a wrestler of color or two that you really enjoy watching lately that maybe that's on the come um i mean i i'm definitely enjoying biggie's uh come up so far you know i mm -hmm. i i think he's deserved it for a long time um but i'm, I'm just a big fan of a uh, new day in general um you talk about guys that took a gimmick that by all accounts, shouldn't have worked. And they turned it into, you know, probably one of the best stables we've ever seen. Um, yeah, I mean, just seeing uh, Xavier win King of the Ring and knowing that, like, that was his dream and just seeing that all three of them have accomplished so much together is just, uh, it's just a really cool story. Um, I'm a big fan of Lee Moriarty. Like, he's a, he's a lesser-known guy, mm -hmm. but uh, he's an indie wrestler. And, you know, just seeing him get the uh, call from AEW and signing with them, like, I feel like he's going to do big things with them eventually. You know, those are really good names. It's, it's funny. Um, you mentioned Big E and the whole thing with the New Day. I had tussled with that, Phil, for a minute. And I was thinking, okay, out of all the faction I saw, so I, like, I remember the Freebirds growing up. I remember watching the Freebirds, and I thought, were they as good as the New Day as far as accolades, right? Like, the Freebirds would have, like, six-man tag team champions. They call them trios champions now. Uh, Terry Gordy was it was um, New Japan or IWGP tag team champion with Steve Williams. Yeah, Michael Hayes won a U.S. title, and Buddy Roberts won a TV title in the UWF. And I'm like, you know what? You can't beat uh, the New Day as far as multiple tag team champions. Two of the three of them have been world ch world champions, and and you got a King of the Ring winner in, in in Xavier Woods. I'm like, dude, that that's hard to beat as far as like in the history of the business. Say over the last thirty years, I don't. I mean, I, I can throw. I can give you the Four Horsemen. That goes into the 80s. But as far as three guys getting it done, I haven't seen the kind of accolades thrown to one faction like that in a long time. Yeah, I mean, depends on how far you want to go back with it. I mean, if you're counting any of Kofi's accolades before he joined New Day, I mean, we're, we're talking about the longest reigning tag team champion in the history of the company, counting all of his reigns combined. Um, I mean, as crazy as it sounds like, until Bobby Lashley uh, broke his record, he was like the longest reigning black world champion in the history of the company. Like nobody else had held a title as long as he had. And I mean, that's counting like some of those rock reigns like before that, um, which is kind of wild. Um, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm one of the guys that I feel like Kofi doesn't get his flowers enough because I feel like he's achieved more than people give him credit for. Um, I want to get your thoughts on the releases because that's something last week that 
hit everybody hard. I mean, this has been difficult in 2021 anyway. Um, my whole take on this, Phil, has been here's the WWE, their last quarter, $256 million made. There's been so many Fortune 500 companies and so many companies that had to shut down uh, because of COVID-19. They could not hold their company together. I get that. And wrestling is something that you and I cover. Ring of Honor pretty much has closed their doors here. I'm not even sure if they're going to come back full-time again. And so... For, for this many cuts to happen, I, when we delve into the story, there's some that would not take the COVID-19 test or did not want to deal with it. Okay, that's fine. But there's still talent there that they, they didn't have to cut. They don't have to cut anybody because they're making yeah. so much money. But I want to get your reaction to the releases for the WWE, including Keith Lee uh, and Mia Yim. Uh, because I guess it was couples night because they let go a couple of a couples uh, this, in these last releases. Um, I mean, it's just been jarring to see them release so many wrestlers. I mean, I, you know, usually they do releases right after WrestleMania, but I think for like the last two years, um, they've been releasing a lot of wrestlers and they've been doing, um, it seems like they've been doing more rounds of cuts than they ever have. Um, man, it, it's just jarring. It's, it's, it's tough to understand where it's coming from, especially because, you know, when you look at things like they brought in record profits during the pandemic and, um, you know, the amount of money that they're making off of, uh, you know, television deal and even the, you know, eat the Saudi deal, which, you know, is kind of the elephant in the room. Um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy when you really think about it. And when you look at a guy that they have in Keith Lee that, for my money, there isn't anybody else like him in the industry. There's nobody else at his size that moves the way he does and can uh, also talk and do all these other great things. So, man, it's just unbelievable that they couldn't find a way to use him. Uh, I, I just don't understand how how is it that you're on NXT, you're doing fine. And then you come to the main roster. There's a COVID-19 issue uh, from what we read and understand. And then there's this tug of war on Keith Lee's name from the WWE. Like, you know, because they're all about name and image and likeness there, too, trying to get your name, right? And then it's like you're now you're Bearcat Lee, which sounds like a Bruce Pritchard idea because, you know, Bearcat Wright was a wrestler, a black wrestler from the 50s and 60s, so they call him Bearcat Lee, and then he's just released. And it's kind of like, wait, if if the WWE is into big guys, right, they're into muscular and big guys, and they're into young wrestlers, they're into big guys, and they're into women that are 25 and younger, how does Keith Lee not fit into that profile? Man, I don't know, man. And I think think trying to turn him into Bearcat Lee and... uh, kind of discarding everything that he brought into the company when you signed him. It's just such an odd choice, especially when you look at stuff like uh, when he came up to the main roster for Survivor Series and just how good he looked in that match. Uh, And, you know, he got the fist bump with Roman and just, it looked like that was like a, that was a career-defining moment for him in that moment. Then you put both titles on him and, you know, he had the he had the appearance in the Royal Rumble with Brock, you know, so it seemed like they had something with him on NXT. It was just when they moved him up where they decided, okay, we got to repackage him. And I still can't figure out why that was. So many wrestlers that when they find out, hey, you're getting a call up, it's almost like the end. 
that's a shame too because that's supposed to be the dream, right? If you're in NXT or you're 205 Live, you're like, hey, you're getting a call up. It's like, oh no. I was having so much fun in Orlando, so much fun down here, and then the philosophy changed. So, Phil, you get into it with a lot of people on, on wrestling Twitter. Where are we with wrestling? T- I mean, dude, like, I, I don't have the time to, to do that. Like, like I don't have the patience because I feel like I want to punch somebody through the phone. when I'm. How, how do you have so much time to tussle with these people? Can you tell us the latest on wrestling Twitter? And how do you have this patience to deal with these people? Um, I don't know, man. Sometimes I do think it's funny that my reputation kind of precedes me. Yes. <laughs> controversial man on wrestling Twitter right now? I don't know if I'm the most controversial. <laughs> well, I, mean, I, mean, <laughs> I, mean, you, I mean, it's you and Vince Russo at this point. I mean, you guys are like, what? I mean, I'm just telling you, man. Like, I'm, look, I, I've, I've been following you for a while here, and I've been reading you. I was like, I got to get this guy on because you're tussling with everybody, man. Like, I mean, you're just you're just putting out an opinion. Like, I, I have nothing against your opinion. Whether I agree with it or disagree with it, it's like, it's, this is interesting. Oh, yeah. I mean, I do find people that uh, either find my work at Bleacher or end up find a podcast. I get a lot of people that are like, oh, well, you know, I know you through Twitter. And that's weird for me. Like, uh, I don't know if that's a good thing. Because, like I said, sometimes I'm like, oh, no, my reputation precedes me. I don't want people to think that I'm out here, like, trying to pick fights with people on Twitter. I mean... <laughs> um, but I really just be, you know, put my opinion out there and seeing what people think. And sometimes, um, you know, you don't have to agree with me, but um, I'm willing to have open conversations with people. Now, again, sometimes that leaves me open to some arguments. Um, and I'm the kind of person that I don't back down easily. And I feel like that yeah. also to my detriment. Yeah. Some arguments leads you to some arguments. <laughs> just telling you, man. It's, like, it's interesting to me. It's 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 quite fast. I, I I can't do it. I just live vicariously through you. So you so so Phil Lindsay, you said you're just gonna have to be Jonathan Hood's um, you know spirit animal at this point because I can't do it. I'm just gonna. I, I, I just so, read. Man. Yeah. I guess so because sometimes um, I see people that'll text me later and they'll say, "Man, what was that? I agreed with you, but I didn't think it was gonna go south like that." And I'll just kind of shrug, like I don't know. Um, I want to get your thoughts on uh, the Black Wrestlers Matter. There's a show in St. Louis. Uh, you're the first person I saw retweet this. You get any information about this? Like, I thought the video package, like the little aerial footage of St. Louis, I thought was cool. But apparently, there's a show. Is it is it called Black uh, Black Wrestlers Matter? Yes. Um, this is their third annual show, I believe. Um, I think their first show was in 2019, and they had it in Iowa. Um, 
Forgive me. I'm trying to remember my man's name that runs it. Um, but it was in like in Des Moines, right? At first, and now yeah, it's going to be in St. Louis. Des Moines. Um, that's where they had their first show. And um, I don't know if you know ACH. He was on the card. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, you know names like Faye Jackson. Uh, you know uh, Jassy, uh Chicago native JDX. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, like right before uh, a lot of these guys ended up places like AEW, like that's the first place I saw Top Flight. That was the first place I saw Airwolf before he became Darius Martin. That was the first place I saw Dante. Right, and sure. at the time he was going by. Uh, He's going by Angel, I think. It was, it was a different name. But they were, that was the first time I had ever seen Top Flight um, was on Black Wrestlers Metacard. Um, I feel like there are other wrestlers that I'm just now seeing other places. Like Jossie, I feel like he's a guy that's blowing up now, but the first time I saw him was there. Um, so, yeah, I, I've been trying to support them since day one because I feel like we don't see a lot of uh, promotions ran by black, by black wrestlers, for black wrestlers. Um, man, I, I feel so bad because I'm, I'm drawing a blank on my man's name that that founded it. Um, That's cool. We can we can look it up. I just was uh, I was just American curious. Fury. That's his name. American Fury. Mm-hmm. Uh, John something. I, I I'm so I'm so sorry, John. If I put you in. <laughs> uh, but no. Well, what well, I was dead, just curious about it because I was thinking, okay. What kind of what card is this? And I just thought that their video was really cool. So that sounds like a road trip. As long as you're driving, you know, Phil, that sounds like a road trip. Uh, yeah, it's in St. Louis. Um, it's in February. I think they held it in February last year too. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I'm wrong. Um, last year it was. Uh, this year was in Juneteenth. It was on the same day as Juneteenth. Okay. Uh, last year it was kind of around the same time so um yeah i i want to support they just uh crowned their first black wrestlers matter champion last year um and that's jossie uh yeah i i think what they're doing what they're doing is cool just putting the spotlight on uh black wrestlers and uh you know just doing something different than asking why other promotions aren't booking people and you know just seeing uh John John West, that's his name. Ah, I got it. Very serious John West. Uh, uh, just seeing John come up with the idea to go, you know, I'm not going to keep waiting for other promotions to book wrestlers that deserve a spot on these cars. I'm going to do it. I'm going to put them on spotlight. And just seeing all these guys end up on PWI 500 list and end up other places because he highlighted them first, man. Uh, just seeing him do that two years ago, I just think it's a huge accomplishment for him. And I just think it's it's uh, one of those things that should, should inspire other people to do the same thing. Uh, lastly, Phil, and I appreciate your time. I want to know your thoughts about AEW. They're, again, this is just a scuttlebutt online, and it's kind of like I, I watch a show every week, but there's this feeling like there's not enough African-American representation in the middle to the top of the card in AEW. And my response to that is, okay, so it is a new company, 
Um, mm-hmm. and, and at the beginning, AEW couldn't find its own ass with their own hands um, because it was just so scattered. Just like, and, and I think in some ways it's still that way where they're still putting dream cards together and not enough story. So, I mean, seeing Jake Cargill, seeing Scorpio Sky, you know, Waves and Curls, and seeing some of these, Liam Moriarty, as you mentioned, there's some names there, but is is their criticism fair for the general public to say, where's the representation in AEW? I absolutely think it's a fair uh, criticism in some ways. Now, I do think that I hate using the word be patient, you know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. sometimes uh, when we bring up uh, conversations like why aren't there um, moves to put black people in spots like you do for others, um, we kind of get, you know, the wait your turn thing. So I don't want to, I don't want to say patience in the sense that, you know, we always have to wait for them to give us a turn. I, I, I don't want it to sound like that. But at the same time, like, I feel like they started their company around the elite and, you know, all of those guys came in with equity they created somewhere else. Um, and so it's a difference when you sign somebody like Scorpio Sky, for example. He's the first black male they signed. Right. And he doesn't have the same he doesn't have the same uh, reputation or notoriety that like somebody like Kenny Omega has. Um, I feel like he's slowly building that with mainstream fans, but you know, that has been a process. And I feel like there are several guys on that roster now that you can make the same um, argument for. I feel like their biggest failure, if you want to put it that way, is that they did sign an established black wrestler within their first two years. Um, and I'm not sure if there was anybody available. Um, like, when you think of guys that WWE has pushed to the top of their card, like Big E or Kofi or Lashley, um, there wasn't an available free agent that had that kind of name yet. Uh, now, I feel like that guy is out there now with, with, uh, with Keith Lee. And I mean, I feel like Jonathan Gresham's another guy that you could eventually sign from Ring of Honor. Um, you've got guys that you can bring in now, and I think that they're in a better place than they were even six months ago. Um, when you look at guys like Leo Rush, um, Lee Moriarty we already brought up, um, Dante, who is amazing, man. I, I can't say enough good things about Dante Martin and the stuff that they've managed to do with him and the showcase that they've given him. Um, so they've got more options, but they've got to do the work to push, to push them forward, and the fans have to support the people that they want to see on TV. Um, again, I don't want to you know, make it sound like the onus is totally on us, but I feel like uh, if we get behind certain guys like Lee and you know, keep them trending or you know, support them in a big way, that helps to you know, get them buzzed with the company, and maybe they'll push them forward. I mean, of course, it's never a guarantee, right? Um, but, you know, I feel like that's stuff that fans can do. You see a lot of people online say, I want to see more of this on TV. I mean, the way to see it, in my opinion, is to support the wrestler. I, I feel like that's always the move, to support the wrestlers, mm-hmm. not the company, right? Yeah. Well, then, the, but then there's Brandy Rhodes. <laughs> Brandy is such a... <laughs> This is a complicated conversation, man. Yeah, like, no, no shit, so no shit. She's a complicated, yeah, no, no shit. She's a converse, uh, complicated conversation. Yeah, you're not gonna talk to my man ever. Uh, okay, all right, all right, Brandy. You talking about the Jane promo? Oh yeah, 
Oh yeah. Um, man, it, it's so weird because I do feel like she is good at her job. You know what I mean? I feel like she's good at, at her job as you know chief branding officer. But Brandy Rose, the character oh. and what we see on Twitter sometimes, it's so hard to get past that. <laughs> like, yeah. Especially for some people that only see that and they don't know some of the stuff she does behind the scenes. Yeah, I passed that promo around to my wife and uh, and a few other her friends, and you know, I said, "Hey, I said, give me the, give me, rate this promo, you know, scale to, you know, <laughs> one to ten, you know, and yeah, it wasn't a lot of good reviews." Um, yeah, that uh, it's weird because wow, um, I just talked to somebody about that promo maybe a few weeks ago. And what I always remember about it is Jay came out there, and you could tell Jay that at that time was still new. Right. Um, and so it felt like, you know, she had a good line in there or so, but, like, the promo was struggling. And then Brandy came out, and it's just like that part of promo is so, it's so bad. But at the same time, it feels like she saved the segment, if that makes sense, because I feel like, I feel like looking back on it now, if if that didn't happen for Jay, I don't know if Jay will have some of the notoriety that she has now. I don't know if you agree with that. Or yeah, I th- no, no, that's fair. That's fair because listen, it takes two to tango, right? The the yeah. the, the Jade Cargill promo at the beginning was very WWE, it's very yeah. stiff, very staccato, and just very. You know, sound bite, stop, sound bite, stop. And it's just like, okay, you just want to have a fluid promo. Like, what's really on your mind? And you could tell that she spit all those lines, right? So then Brandy kind of sped things up. It, it, it wasn't quite, you know, Claire Huxtable, because um, that's, that's the 10 in that promo, in that spot. Um, but it was somewhere around three or four. And But I understood she was just trying to, you know, trying to push Jade in that spot, too. And so I, I get it. It just, um, it didn't resonate with some of the girlfriends, some of the people. <laughs> from, I mean, from, it definitely did not resonate <laughs> with a lot of people. And I understand, I understood why at the time. Um, man, it's just, <laughs> like I said, Brandy is just such a complicated conversation. Um, she is definitely one of those people that I feel like I would love to, I would love to hear someone black in wrestling media interview her at some point. Oh my god! I just feel like there's so many questions that um, black fans would like to hear her answer that maybe somebody white might not ask her. Uh, you know what? That is that is fair. So so you gonna do it right? <laughs> hey, if Brandy's listening to this, I would absolutely uh, welcome that interview. Because I, I do think that there's certain things that, you know, I would love to ask her. And that's not to say that I want to grill her and, you know, put her on the hot seat. But it's just definitely certain things that I feel like, um, not even just about that promo, just certain things. Um, about that, her. About her and her experience as, you know, one of the first black executives at a at a wrestling company and, and everything that entails. And just what she thinks about, you know, the questions around representation at AEW. And you know what is their plan to fix that? What is her what is her role in, in it? It's just it's so many unanswered questions there. Um, the, well, that that one question would be very interesting because she'd be one of, I'd say, three 
in the history of of the business like it starts with ernie ladd ernie ladd was a booker for mid-south and with bill watts and then like there's something might happen in in um in puerto rico with carlos cologne possibly but like brandy's like one of at least two or three so that that's different for sure in the business so i get that i just so i can't wait i mean like i'm just working for a really small a really small company called espn but for the bleach report i mean ultimately phil you actually have the end because i don't know AEW and bleach report are you know connected in a lot of ways are they not uh, uh, tnt that's a uh, that's a, uh... Uh, my friend Chris Mueller does a lot of the AEW interviews. Uh-huh. I, I actually haven't done any interviews for Bleach Report. Um, but again, you know, hey, if somebody's listening and they want to shoot us that interview, whether that be through Bleacher or another outlet, I wouldn't turn it down. <laughs> <laughs> Tell people about the Grapsity podcast. Uh, man, Grapsity has been a kind of a labor of love for me uh, because I, for the longest time, uh, was kind of not into trying to podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. And it might be, you know, what you mentioned earlier that, you know, once you put your opinion out there, I've seen this more than once on Twitter, if you just put an opinion out there, people will run to, you know, take it somewhere else instead of just accepting it as an opinion and these things are subjective. Um, so I was never in a hurry to podcast. I've been on tons of podcasts. I've made appearances, um, with friends. I know that podcast, but I've never really had an interest in running my own podcast. Um, I mean, I thought about it a few times, but I, it was never anything that I settled on. Uh, so, uh, the Grapsody podcast was something that, uh, my friend Will Washington pitched to me and, you know, it was basically on the premise that it would be me him and uh righteous wrench he's a contributor for uh pwi he also does his own um uh list of 500 black wrestlers that are you know relevant at the moment at the uh pwi 500 yes and so you know when i heard that it was it was us and it would be three black people then i was like i was like yeah i'll do it with you guys i wouldn't just do it with anyone um but like these are these are guys that I consider my friends, um, and these are guys that I respect. Like Will Washington, man, I dude, I am in awe of the amount of time that this guy has been podcasting. He, he's been podcasting for about sixteen years in this space, and so you know I'm just honored that he wants to work with me and you know co-host the podcast with me. Um, and I respect a lot of what Reg does. I respect the fact that he continues to want to spotlight black wrestlers. So um, when, you know, they pitched it to me working with these two guys, that definitely was something I wanted to do. Um, I'm sorry if I got long-winded with that, but oh. I just respect what these two guys do. And I feel like, you know, that is important to our dynamic in a lot of ways. Um, you know, we're on the podcast. There's no such thing as being long-winded. You know that. Um, so t- tell us about the, you can also, you can get merch. I see this merch, man. Shop Fightful.com. Yes. Uh, so yeah, the podcast is through Fightful. Um, it's every Saturday at noon Eastern time, yeah. uh, for, you know, of course, Chicago listeners, that is 11 our time, central yes. time. Yes. Um, and you know, we go live on YouTube. We also, uh, go up on 
every DSP that Fightful appears on, their podcasts are on. And the merch is on shop.fightful.com. We have, uh, we've got t-shirts, we've got hoodies with the Graffiti logo. We also have the, the, the Yo Fightful Graphs t-shirt as well, which is, uh, you know, of course, an homage to Yo MTV Raps. Oh, I love that. Oh, and by the way, shout out to Big E. Uh, for for having the tights of the Fuji's the score album, did you notice that on yeah. Monday? That was nice. That was tight. I like that. Yeah, I, I loved it. Um, whoever designs the New Day's uh, um, gear is always on point, man. I I really like their gear. I really like the new gear that Xavier's doing now with the King gimmick. Um, I think they've always got great gear. They always find a way to. Um, throw a nod to the culture in there. Like when they were doing uh, the Black History Rock stuff, I thought that was really cool. Um, so yeah, I, I love it. I'm glad you spent some time, Phil. This is our maiden voyage, and uh, anything that you need from Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday uh, would definitely let us know. Uh, but I just wanted to connect with you because. You know, you're the most hated man on wrestling Twitter, so I just thought I'd reach out <laughs> and find out what's underneath the black hat. So, Phil, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Man, thank you for having me. Um, I know that, you know, sometimes I tell my dad that I write about wrestling again. He's just like, oh, okay. But then, what, like, if I say, like, oh, I'm doing, you know, something with, with you, and he knows who you are, and he knows ESPN in Chicago, he's like, oh, yeah, I know that. I know that. <laughs> so, I appreciate you having me on, man. I appreciate you, you know, giving me something that I can tell my dad I'm doing. And he's like, oh, man, that is, that, that's something. Because <laughs> like, other things I tell him, he might not understand it. <laughs> oh, you going to be on with Hood? All right, that's pretty good then. That's pretty good. Yeah, so. Thanks, Phil. Welcome. Let's go.